go, mate. We're uh, good to go. Yeah, so boys, it, it's it's not lost on me here the importance of what we're actually discussing, um, and it brings me back to five years ago when Kimmy and I were accumulating uh, a vast amount of research to try and recover her health. And, you know, what I absolutely love about all the things that we're discussing here today is these these four things so far were absolutely integral uh, to her health, her, her health recovery. You know, vitamin D, quality water source, um, meditation mindset, uh, and getting in the ocean, four things which we are still doing to this day. And this, you know, this this is amazing for me because what we're putting together here really does have the potential to impact somebody at that level. You know, someone who, who might be in um, a really precarious position with a health issue. And these are really simple things they can implement into their life to make a difference. Yeah, all free. Yeah. We did discuss that. That's what it's all about, isn't it? And yeah. if none of this stuff works as well as we say it works, it's a bloody nice way to live your life. What's the worst Getting out in the happen? sun, yeah. engaging with the ocean, drinking pure water, yeah. meditating. Yeah, great call, Mick. And, and like we said last podcast as well, we're not doctors and we're not you know medical professionals. We're just blokes that have um, tried things and applied them to our own lifestyles. And that have, and some things have worked, some things haven't. And the things that have worked, we can vouch for anecdotally, you know. And isn't it funny that a lot of things have worked for all of us? Yeah. We haven't really argued on any topic yet. <coughs> mm. I'm sure we will in the future. But we, we, we're all agreeing that, yeah, these four things yeah. and probably the four things yeah. that we'll discuss today yeah. are very helpful. And, and I'm also learning from you, you boys as well, you know, like Smitty, that, that water in, information there and Jones, the seed oil stuff that we spoke about even in the first podcast. I, I'm now looking at packaged food and, and looking for sunflower oil or, or some sort of seed oil in there that you've discussed previously. And we, we had taco night last week and I thought, oh, I'm just going to have to check out the um, – because I thought, you know, how you get the little sachets of um, – of sauces and, and salsa and salsa yeah, powder, yeah, yeah. whatever to chuck in your mints. I thought they, they must be so toxic. I had a look at the ingredients of that and they're not too bad. Uh, the, they're yeah, actually yeah. okay. The they yeah, haven't okay. got, they've got a little bit of um, oh, an antioxidant stuff in there put in, but they're actually not too bad. The, the worst are the, the taco, the taco shells, shells. They're real bad. And they're even the soft taco ones, you know, you can get the soft ones now. They've got, they're loaded with sunflower oil. Yep. And I thought, wow, I think man. they've got yeah. two ingredients, corn and sunflower oil. Exactly. You yeah. put them yeah. in the oven and you can just see the oil. Yeah. Comes out of it. That's like any sort of chips. You buy yeah. crisps. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they're fried in oil. Yeah. yeah. They're not going to fry it in a good omega-3 rich oil. No. no. It's going to be <laughs> canola oil or yeah. something bad. Yeah. Sunflower oil. Mm. So we're continuing the president uh been the president, president of the world. President of the world. <laughs> and um, what we just one more thing that you would initiate with the public uh, that were all uh, welcoming to your suggestions. What would you hit on with, Jonesy? Difficult to police, I suppose. How am I going to control my population and make <laughs> sure I do these? They do well, these things. You're going to motivate them through <laughs> yeah. telling them how good it is. Well, yeah, look at the well, last two years, mate. Controlling yeah. the population has been not too hard. It's true. Right. My, Couple of little mandates. Yeah. My one would be movement. And I know that's a broad topic, 
And it's interesting that it sort of came up in a few there. I know Mikey talked about using movement and going on a run as a meditative practice, clearing his mind. I think that's one of the many benefits of movement. But the three sort of topics or three encompassing things of movement, I've sort of structured around the ancestral man and what they would have done back in the day sort of to apply it in a, in a modern context. So three movement practices that I do weekly, almost daily, is lift, sprint, and move. And I know move is one of them, but so lifting, ancestral man, they're building their shelters, they're hunting, they're killing their 60, 70 kilo beast, carrying it on their back. So they needed to be strong and they needed to lift heavy things. Mm. That supports muscle development, decreases aging. Um, but sort of brief, intense exercise involving sort of functional full body movements, compound movements, I would try and get people to introduce. You don't have to go to the gym to do that. And I think the, but the modern context is that's what the gym is designed for. We can't just pick up big rocks and build our shelters anymore, but we need that aspect. So the gym is useful. I think you need it, you can use it. So picking up sort of heavy things off the ground, deadlift, squat, bench press, but you don't have to do that. You, you can do body weight stuff, yeah. squat, body weight squat, chin-ups, push-ups, anything like that it is all really good, but sort of brief, intense exercise doesn't have to be too long because too long and too often is bad. Yeah. Breaks breaks your body down, you get injured, you know, you're over sympathetic. So go hard, go heavy, and rest would be my lifting one. You don't want to be in that sort of Goldilocks zone of going to the gym every day, doing something where we're lifting a weight three sets for ten, you know, to get good looking guns or a huge yeah. chest you got to you want to build strength yeah. and we can't be in that goldilocks zone of just going in lifting you you need to do you need to do sort of three or four maximum reps of something really heavy yeah to get the benefit of it there's evidence to show mate that intensity so you've got your your fit acronym so f i t frequency intensity uh, time and type uh, all related to the type of exercise you do. And out of all, all those four, intensity is found to be the greatest stimulus for, for muscle development mm. and, and growth yeah. and, and responsiveness. Yeah. So, you know, yeah, going in in a short amount of time and exerting yourself to a point of fatigue. Uh, and, and they even say that, you know, you to maximise growth, you go to failure. You know, so find a weight. It doesn't have to be heavy, mm. but you just do lift that weight until you fail, until you can't do it correct anymore. So, yeah. so CJ, just for our listeners, so when you're talking about lifting heavy and you're saying like maybe do three or four reps at a very heavy weight, mm. what percentage of their maximum is that? Is it sort of like... Oh, 80, 85, I'd say. I mean, yeah. you'd, you'd probably want to build up to that. Mm. And I, I mean, I talk about this Goldilocks zone where where it's not, not too heavy, not too light, not doing a lot for you. Mm. There is a place for hypertrophy and going in and trying to uh, to build a little bit of muscle before you build up to that strength thing. But mm. what's what I might do might be different to someone else. So someone else's, 
you know, if, if, you, if you're just kind of starting out lifting, you, you want to do sort of three sets of 10 mm. and then sort of build up to getting up to sort of some heavy lifts and, and some more complex compound movements, I reckon. But yeah. lifting, lifting something, and whether that lifting is your own body weight or it's um, some, some weights, I think they're all, all very beneficial. And when we talk about brief intensity... I'm talking about the intensity of the exercise and, and, and brief, the exercise being brief. So if we're doing something, you know, very intense, we want to have a longer rest period, you know, if we want to build strength and then if we're sort of going to get a pump in our muscles, we might do three sets of 10 with a, with a small rest. So there is varying differences in, in lifting, but I think, yeah, that ability to keep muscle development and us getting on in age now, we need to keep keep muscle mass. I think that's one of the biggest things that causes you know, falls when you're older. Mate, you just... Sarcopenia, you yeah, lose frailty. your muscle. Yep. yep. Um, I was just thinking the exact same lines, Jones, you decided to cut you off. Imagine how many... Uh, how much more healthier the elder pop, older population would be and the less amount of falls and broken hips and stuff like that you would have if from the age of 35 or 40, every person did some sort of a deadlift yep. and a squat on a daily basis. I'm a big believer of leg and hip strength yep. uh, to reduce falls and, and, and stability, instability and yep. weakness in old people. I mean, look at... Look at the old fellas, you know, you see down the beach in their cock jocks, um, you know, down the beach, <laughs> they've got a big gut, yep. you know, and they've got these tiny little skinny arms and skinny little legs and they've got no ass. they've just got floppy, flappy skin for an ass. And you just think these poor guys, they've just totally neglected their leg strength. Yep. You know, they don't squat anymore. They're so susceptible to injury, falls and these sort of things. And it could be so easily remedied if, Jonesy, you were president of the world and you... Well, getting up and Made down people. out of your chair, yeah. yeah, that's that's a big one, right? Mm. If you if you struggle to get out of your chair, that's that's not great. That's a problem, isn't it? And if you can do some body weight squats of sit into your chair and get out of your chair, if that's all you can manage, that's all you can manage. But doing something like that, yep. yeah. And getting back to an ancestral man point of view, there's even a, a movement now of guys lifting rocks, isn't there? Yes. Like you don't yeah, have yep. to go to a gym and go and. Yep pay crazy amounts of money to do CrossFit or yeah, yeah. expensive gym memberships or buy your own setup, you can use whatever you got. Yeah, I, I've, I've, I've looked a little bit at that. Paul Check is one that does them. I know um, Pete Evans does mm. one at his sanctuary, all these things. But it's it's also something to do, you know, you're using your brain as well because you've got to pick up the rock and then yeah. you're, you're balancing, stacking these rocks up on Yeah, yeah. It, it, go, it does go back ancestrally. Would you agree, Jonesy, that the ancestral man probably would have been a more balanced and well-rounded in terms of his of his movement as well? Yeah, well I guess definitely. what I would mean yeah. what I'd mean by that is he 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 would have had to be strong through his core and his foundation muscles, like you guys are indicating through you know through his his posterior chain and things like that for lifting and things. But he also was throwing spears, so he, he, he would have had good hand-eye coordination. Yes. At times, he would have been out um, hunting for maybe days at a time, so he had to have good endurance. Yeah. But then at other times, he may have had to evade predators while he was hunting as well, so he would have had, um, he would have had to be quite fast uh, you know, over, over a short burst also. Definitely. Well, that's, yeah. that's sort of why I have those three things, lift, sprint, and move. 
I guess moving into the next one of sprinting, you know, sprinting away from danger or to catch food is, is sort of the optimal expression of our genes, I think. You know, we, it would have, an all-out sprint would have been, you know, trying to get away from a saber-toothed tiger or, you know, whatever was trying to get us. That's a fight-or-flight response. Mm. We are doing a flat-out all-out sprint to get away from a predator or maybe to catch food. We need food. We, we need to eat. Yep, so we gotta we got to sprint pretty hard. And if you look at, if you look at what happens when we have a few or brief, intense, all-out sprints, the adaptive hormones that come in to make our body better for the next time that we need to do that. You know, we've got human growth hormone, testosterone. You know, those things flood our blood, blood bloodstream and make us better for the next time that we have to do that. I mean, if you... Your body is utilising all the resources it has at that point in time to get away from danger. So a sprinting once a week, seven to ten days, I reckon, would help a lot of people. Weight management, helping build muscle, accelerates fat metabolism. How many overweight sprinters do you see? Oh. Have a look at sprinters' bodies at the Olympics. Oh, they look amazing. Yeah. It's the best they're physique lean. out of all the um, yeah. disciplines out of everything, really, isn't it? Yeah, they're, they're strong in the shoulders mm. and the back. Yeah. You know, great big fat asses because their glutes are really strong. Yeah. yeah, just yeah. powerful. And they're, they're, they're built. I mean, that's how we were designed yes. to yes. be. Yes, agree. Yeah. yeah, like a sprinter, yeah. really. Yep. Um, and don't get me wrong, like Mickey was saying, I think people would have needed back then to move over long periods of time. Walk 5, 10, 20 kilometres a day. We need to get to our hunting spot. We're going to walk slowly over that time. And then we're going to have brief sprints. We're going to lift and then carry that carcass back to where we live. That we, we need that lifting. So, yeah. The, the other one would be sort of movement, sort of often at a slow place, pace. You know, when you're walking, playing, a, a slight jog, you know, I think – Getting into sort of chronic cardio or cardio for the sake of it, where you're just sort of doing long runs, I, th I think is also not as beneficial. But it, it, it definitely has some place of a low-level intensity. You know, that enhances fat metabolism, cardiovascular function, brain development, stress management, like Mikey was talking about before. It, it's a meditative practice. Going out for a run, putting your shoes on and... Your barefoot shoes, obviously. That could have been one of my topics too. Well, that's mine. So oh, you, oh, you got that if one? If I can yeah. go after oh, you, yeah, yeah. because that would lead oh, perfectly a, in the mind. I'll wait till you finish, yeah. though. Well, yeah, I, I'm, I'm prob probably nearly done. I've had, had enough time talking about this. But one of the suggestions for me would be to move more in general. So, and I know this number of, you know, every, every watch these days counts your steps. And I know 10,000 steps a day is an arbitrary number, right? But it, it's something to aim for. I don't know who came up with it. I think it was a Japanese study came up with 10,000 steps a day was the ultimate number we, we should do based on ancestrally what we would have done back in the day. But whether you get sort of from five, eight, well, five is probably too low, eight, to 10 to 12,000 a day, if you're aiming for that, I think that's, it's something to aim for. 
And if, if you're sitting at your desk all day and you get an hour lunch break, you can get out and go for a walk during your lunch break. Pick up your lunch down the road if you need to walk back. That's more steps than you're going to get mm. in a day. You know, if you, if, if, you're, if you are at an office and you drive your car there, some people would get less than 2,000 steps a day. So if we can add some steps, get up to 8,000, 10,000, if that's something to aim for, then that's great. And then you, you do some sprint work or you do an occasional 5 or 10K run and you lift some heavy things, I think that's, that's going to be amazing. Yeah. So it might be that the only time that you get to walk is after an evening meal. And there's some good stuff behind walking after a meal postperandially after you've eaten, going for a walk, it helps to regulate your blood glucose levels, bring them back down to normal so they're not shooting up and staying high forever. And it might be a good, you know, 3,000, 4,000 step walk, which would equate to, say, people with long legs like Smithy, about a kilometre, short little legs like me, <laughs> about three kilometres. But, yeah, getting out... After a meal is probably the best time to do it. Helps you regulate your blood sugar. Um, but for me, I would get people out moving more if I could yep. with those three things. Yeah, good call. Well, mine leads straight into that, mate. And I'm a. If I was president, um, I would. You would be a good president, Dave. Thanks. With yeah. these glasses. Yeah, you look yeah. good. Very presidential. Yeah. Mm. Sorry, carry on. Well, I would have. It was um, the right age for a president. <laughs> <laughs> He's, he's a little bit older than the US president. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, don't <laughs> get me started on that guy. At least I can... Rue Biden. At least I can put a sentence together. Um, now, if I was president, I would, uh, in line with what you were saying, Jonesy, I would um, uh, not mandate, but make it available for people oh. to have a 20-minute walk barefoot oh, yeah? after six days a week. Yeah, I'm, beautiful. I'm a big believer in barefoot um, exercising or walking or just everyday movement. And it all started when um, probably about five or six years ago, I was having real bad troubles with my, my knee uh, and some pain in the in the medial side of my knee. So I went to a, a surgeon or a specialist and and he recommended a, a tibial osteotomy. And I thought, oh, what, do you, what do you mean by that? And he said, what what we've noticed is you've got some, you know, some inflammation, some arthritis developing on the medial side of your knee. What we're going to do is on your tibia, on the outside of your lower leg, we're going to cut a wedge into the bone, and then that wedge will then um, drop your the weight of your of your leg down against that wedge, therefore releasing the space in your your medial area of your knee. Jesus, thus reducing the the pain and the inflammation. Oh. And I said, well, how long is this going to take me to recover? And he said, oh, 12, 18 months, possibly two years. And I said, what do you reckon I'm going to do for work in that period? And I thought, this, there's got to be a better answer to this. There's got to be a reason why I'm suffering some knee problems. Okay, some arthritis, you know, the days playing footy might have caught up with me. But I started researching knee health and then that got me onto foot health. Um, and the, the, the health of your foot can, can lead to so many other health factors in your knees, your hips, your lower back. And so basically I looked at my foot, um, my arch had collapsed, so on my right leg where my, my pain was, I looked at my foot and it was sort of inverted. So uh, you can look down at your feet now, and, and I recommend people do this. Your ankle should be 
in line with the top of your foot when you look into a mirror uh, and you can look down at your foot and see whether your ankle is actually uh, depressed or, or sort of sunken in. You can actually notice it. Not many people do notice it because we don't look at our feet too often. Uh, so I, I, I began this bit of a campaign on um, getting back my foot strength. And so in my research, there was this great um, comparison that said that you know, as soon as a, a, a child is able to walk, we put a shoe on them. And if you look at a baby's foot, a baby's foot is thick, it's wide, it's muscular, and that's how our feet should be. But from a very early age, we chuck a shoe on it. Yeah. And the shoe often are pointed. You know, our culture has a nice you know, pointed shoe. And our foot gets moulded to the shape of your shoe. If you can imagine at one year of age putting a shoe on your foot, on your hand. Like I like say, there was a, a, sh- a hand shoe. All right. And over 30 or 40 years, imagine how your fingers would look. They'd, be, they'd go to a point. The muscular, musculature of your hand would be a lot weaker. And y- your hands would probably be a lot less functional than... Lose your dexterity, wouldn't you? Definitely. Mm. But we do it to our feet. And you actually even look at a little baby walking for the first time with shoes on. It totally fucks them. They, yeah. they've, got, they've lost their, um, their proprioception. Uh, they've lost their balance. They've lost their connection to the earth that they had. So uh, even indigenous cultures, have a look at their feet. You know, you go to Bali even. And the, the Balinese, they don't, they don't wear shoes, but their feet are wide, their toes are splayed, and their feet are quite thick and muscular. And I think that if, if, if we had that, that, that sort of foot health in our society, it could alleviate a lot of problems. So I, I tried, so my, my process what was... What a downstream from that, isn't there? What's that? The downstream effect of having poor foot health upstream the rest of your body, knees, hips back yeah are, are all related yeah definitely like you say if you can get your foot health right yeah but like everything we we don't look at an original source of a problem no you know, I, I was just thinking that is great that you have have the ability to think critically and you know you go in and, and from our podcasting discussions most of us have had medical conditions where we have gone in and thought something is up you know we've got a diagnosis and gone, that can't be the answer. You know, a 12, 18, two-year recovery for a sore knee. Crazy. For you to be able to kind of think critically and go, that's not right, and and kind of not self-diagnose, but have the ability to look critically at your feet and go, okay, do a bit of research and go, have have the great knowledge that you have and, and look at your feet and say, oh, my, that's not right. How do I fix that? Fix that and then fix your knee. Yeah. And, That's and, amazing. And, I mean, I'm talking probably about five or six years now. My feet aren't perfect. I mean, I've, I've had years in, in, in tight footy boots and, and, and joggers and stuff like that that have, have corrupted my feet strength and, and its integrity. So now I, um, I wear Vibrams, you know, the, uh, the, the yep. foot gloves. Uh, I don't wear sneakers anymore. At the start of this process, I threw my sneakers out. Um, you know, I was always of the th- of the, the thought that I had to get a, a heavily cushioned, good running shoe because I, I ran a lot, uh, right. long distance wise. Helps your heel strike. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and you, I tell you, you try running, and, and I, I would I'd um, encourage people to try this. Go down to the park and run on the grass in bare feet, and it feels unreal. 
It feels so good because you are forced to run on the balls of your feet. You're forced to use that that awesome um, that piston of, of the calf and Achilles uh, uh, structure there. It's to, a shock absorber, isn't it? Yeah, mm-hmm. to bound you across. And you know, as soon as you chuck your sneakers on, the heel strike happens, and you got all problems associated with that. If, if you look at a heel strike, you are landing with the full force of your body. Going through a straight leg, a straight leg, yeah. And if you are running on the ball of your foot, you're using the what is it, twenty six ligaments in your feet, yeah. The uh, the natural arch that evolution has given us, yep. The natural arch, the Achilles tendon, and the calf as a shock absorber, yeah. yeah. Yep. You don't need a, a thick Hoka one. Have you seen those ones? Oh, they're yeah. pretty big in the running world. Mickey Mack would have seen them. They're they're about they're about a ten centimeter heel of yeah you've, you've lost all like a surfboard it's yeah. crazy it's yeah it's a movement away from how our biomechanics is supposed to be yep and and yep. using this i don't know device this shoe to basically take us away from what we're meant to do yeah and then we wonder why runners get uh sore lower backs yeah bad knees yeah etc and, and I, I don't advocate running long distances in those vibram uh the mm. the foot gloves because it can get quite sore on your on your feet running long distance. So most of my running now is short, sharp stuff on grass, yeah. and I do it either barefoot or in my Vibrams. Yeah. Uh, I also every night. Um, the Vivos uh, are good. Vivo barefoot ones. That's are my good. next point. So yeah, my, oh, sorry, my yeah. going out shoes are Vivo barefoots, oh, yeah. and so uh, for anyone that don't, doesn't know those shoes, they are shoes with um, a, a wide toe box. So the shoe pretty much is more narrower at the heel, and it come it flares out at the toe. So you've now got a, a, a lot of room there for your toes to spread out and be naturally placed mm-hmm. as opposed to the shoe going into a point. And if, if we look at ancestral man, you know, uh, I think they only wore shoes for climate. So they wore shoes in winter and they often were, the, 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 the bottom of it was the animal's leather and the top of it was um, the, the fur to keep uh, their, their feet warm. Most often, like his his feet would his the bottom of his feet would have been hard, and, and quite uh, callous the skin. So can you imagine? So he would have been able to walk on any any sort of terrain. Yeah, and his feet would have been mus- muscular, um, and, and and able to 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 adapt to running and sprinting quite quickly. Um, so that's what I would do. And and there is there's uh, and every night um I'll probably just sit down in front of the telly for a little bit and watch something, something on Netflix and I'll roll with the foam roller, but during that time and it's probably about an hour every night I have toe spreaders (laughs) and these sound really weird and my kids laugh at me but they're um a silicon thing you can buy them on ebay for five five seven dollars or something like that and they just a silicon um sort of uh it fits in between the gaps of your toes Gap sp- spreads the gap. Spreads the gap in your toes. Helps you put your uh, nail polish on your toes. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, very similar to that, mate. Yeah, very yeah, similar. Yeah. But so, and that's supposedly over time supposed to help correct that um, that narrowing of the toes. And um, you've got this, you know, and Jonesy mentioned the foot arch. That my my my, my uh, remediation in my my knee problem was also um, helped by. Uh, strengthening my foot arch so I would do things like um yeah there's a towel crunch you can just have a towel underneath your feet and crunch it with your with your toes so you're you're crunching that towel 
underneath your toe, and use the dragging toes to drag it almost back. like contracting oh, yeah. your foot like yeah, a yeah. like a hand a little bit sort exactly of, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, you, like you're going to pick it up kind of thing is that what you mean yes yeah yep um there's things where you can uh lift all your toes up at once and as soon as, if you just do that now if you lift all your toes up at once you actually um, encourage that natural arch straight away. You can now, feel that, can't yeah, you? Yeah, yeah. you? I can, can feel that right now. Now yeah, if right you try on. putting your big toe and your little toe down at the same time while keeping all the other toes up, that massively works <laughs> that arch in, in your foot. You can feel you can the feel muscle it, yeah. there. You can feel those muscles working. Mm. So even just little exercises like that, and you can Google um, foot health or foot strengthening exercises, and you'll get a plethora. There's so many things that you can do. Uh, and I know, Jonesy, you were doing one at some stage where you had in the gym, you were standing yep. with the ball of your foot on a, on a, on a two kilo um, weight plate and your heel was on the other plate. Yep. And so you had a gap in between the two plates. Yep. And you had to kind of hold your foot up. You had to hold your foot up um, without that sort of ground underneath yeah. the arch. Like, and like planking for your foot. Yeah. 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 So, so, Rue, tell us. So you went to a surgeon. You had knee problems. He recommended cutting a wedge out of your tibia to make that bone collapse away a little bit to make space so that you didn't have pain. You went a more natural approach. How's your knee? It's fine. And how long yeah. did it take to, to be fine? I reckon it took me uh, the time that he predicted my recovery would be. Oh, it took a couple of years. I, took, I reckon yeah. it took me yeah. 18 months yeah. so to, to really get some good strength. So you have a physical job. In that time, you managed to work didn't have to undergo a hospital procedure, anesthesia, anything like that? No. Wow. Yeah. So, again, going back to nature, going back to more ancestral technique of barefoot, looking after your foot health. Yeah. And yeah. it solved a problem that was a and surgical now, problem before yeah, that. Now I love going barefoot. I walk my dog barefoot on the bitumen road and that feels great. And and, and that can lead into a discussion of grounding. And, and some people find this a bit of a woo-woo subject and there is debate. Uh, with the grounding thing but I think someone told me actually on the, the Sunday Times over the weekend there was an article in the body and soul section of the uh, of the newspaper about foot grounding and the and the benefits of it um, for those people that don't know uh, grounding uh, is like the earthing contact um, so with the earth basically and and contacting with the earth surface electrons um, which is supposed to have some sort of uh, beneficial effect in your um, in reducing inflammation, improving blood flow, uh, and actually generating just greater well-being. So you, you're basically just becoming back in touch with the energy of the earth mm. by going barefoot. Now, some people think that's a little bit bit wacky. I think it makes uh, a lot of sense. Yeah, I think shoes are disconnecting you from the earth. Yep. Obviously, I wear shoes, but I also enjoy going around barefoot. But when your foot is directly touching the earth. There's something to that, isn't there? Like, yeah. the Earth's getting struck by lightning millions of times every day. It has some sort of charge. Definitely. Yeah. Well, how how good does it feel when you walk on the sand down the beach? Yeah. Or walk walk on some grass and yep. just feel you can sort of feel the energy from the ground in those sort of environments. Um, I even feel like even I mean a bitumen road is not a natural environment, but the heat that that generates and and you know the Earth from the center of the Earth has energy coming from within it. Surely it's got to uh, escape somehow, and it puts you in touch oh, with yeah. the elements too, doesn't it? I had I had a really really um, amazing conversation with my young bloke last week regarding this exact topic because since he was born, he has been obsessed 
with not wearing his shoes. And I think we've all probably gone through this with our little ones to some extent, but God knows what, I cannot get this kid to put shoes on. And, and, he, and he just loves running around and playing without his shoes. And a part of me really, really loves it because the, the grounding thing is something I've been very conscious of. But when you're going out to dinner or something like that, <laughs> things can be a little bit more complex. And we were uh, we were away for a couple of days this last week with, with family and uh, he didn't want to wear his shoes. And he actually said to me, why do you always want me to wear my shoes? <laughs> and for a five-year-old kid, I, I, I allowed myself to sit in the question for a moment and it really took me off guard. And I had to ask myself, why the bloody hell do I ask you to always wear your shoes? Like, you don't want to wear them. Uh, there are settings where, you know, it's a necessity for you to wear them. But, but I had to think to myself, and the only offense I could come up with was, or the only defense I could come up with was offense. So I chose to say, mate, why don't you want to wear your shoes? <laughs> and we were walking down a hill over at, a lovely place in Australia called Hamilton Island. And he said to me, Dad, I love the feeling of the grass on my feet. Oh, wow. And like even now, guys, I, it makes me a bit teary and I don't know why because there's nothing emotional about that statement or anything like that. But I think what it is, it was just a young kid connecting with his environment who's completely in tune with nature, yeah. with with this grounding sensation that he must be experiencing. And he's just speaking from a purely connected position. He's, he's unaffected by a lifetime of conditioning, like we're, like we're talking about, you know, like you've indicated, Rue, in terms of you know, we, we wear runners because it does this and it does that, and now we're discussing the fact it probably actually doesn't. And here we have this very natural thing where this child is saying, you know, I'm happy to walk on any surface, and the little bugger can. Yeah. He walks on rocks like I'm walking on grass, and I, I take my shoes off and walk on gravel, and I'm bloody hopping all over the place. And, and it was just a – I think it's a fantastic one. It really yeah. is. Yeah, well, if, if you look at the Schumann resonance, which they say is the heartbeat of the earth, is a, is a radio frequency, 7.83 hertz. Correct me if I'm wrong. <laughs> but that's the same alpha-theta brainwave frequency in the human brain. Yeah, right. So yep. the resonance of the earth, you know, the radio frequency of the earth is the same in our brain. So there's got to be something to it, right? Yeah. Whether it is woo-woo or not, but you think about the things that you do, connection to the ocean, like Mike was saying about his son, grounding your feet in the grass, there's something about it. Yeah. And it's a possibility that the resonance of the earth is the same as some of the frequencies running through our body and you know what whether it's woo woo or not if it's like it's here's another one that's free yeah you know, go yeah. And walk barefoot it's going to cost you nothing and if it you know if there is some sort of health benefit to it why not give it a crack we'll turn that on its head we've got this massive marketing campaign as well that we all need to have a dozen pairs of shoes yeah it's a big industry yeah. oh yeah like without going down a 
dark hole of conspiracy theories, you know, kids haven't been exposed to that yet. Like, like Mikey, your little fella hasn't yet been exposed to this sort of societal norm that you have to wear shoes all the time and for this and uh, activity and cool. you'd wear this shoe and for that activity you'd wear that shoe and this is made by a certain company which conveys a status of wealth or whatever. You know, get rid of all of that. Um, your child knows what feels good for him and that's not Absolutely. wearing shoes. Yeah. Yeah, I love that story, Mick. That's a, that's a cracker and, and what a perfect example of a child teaching an adult something. Oh, I mean, aren't they our greatest blessings and our yeah. greatest teachers, our kids? They just come from the heart, don't they? They just come from what's natural. Absolutely. Absolutely. So anyway, yeah, so that's that's my one. And I'd probably just recommend people, if you just want to start off just standing on one leg, just by standing on one leg, you can feel your arch start to stimulate straight away and activate straight away. Stand on one leg while you're there preparing dinner and just work that arch of your foot. Strengthen your feet muscles and you'll see a lot of improvements in other other areas. It's great Taking advice. off your shoes and walking around the park oh, on the grass. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And barefoot. Mickey, you said uh, you walk on the gravel, you're doing the, the dance like you're crossing a hot hot coals of fire or whatever. Um, but you do get used to it. Yeah. So now I can walk on a really heavily, like you know those bitumen roads that are really chunky? Yeah. You'd fall off on the, off your bike when you were a kid and you'd end up grazing you know, five centimetres deep into your skin because it was so... Crunk, um, you know, crunchy. I can now walk on that because my feet are now sort of used to that. Um, it's like it's like now walking on a uh, you know those masseuse sandals. Yeah. When I walk on the road, it's like wearing those. I feel the massage <laughs> effect now when I'm walking on something yeah. une- uh, uneven and uh, and rough. even that is a great great thing. You know, walking on gravel, walking on sort of you know those large white island stones, just things that your your foot has to. Manipulate around. Manipulate the yeah. proprioception of all the little bits in your feet yep. you know, is, is so good for strengthening to make. Yeah, you yeah. do actually in your mind have a greater awareness of what you're walking on. Yeah. yeah. The feedback you get yes. is enormous. Yeah. Yeah. I'll tell you when I feel worst is where, when I wear heavy steel cap work boots. Yeah. When you've got this big weight and this big chunky sole on the bottom of your foot, yep. it's not natural. It's not Let the way you're supposed to be. Them. Well, you know, um, your proprioception's if, out. If anyone listening to this is a, a worker who needs steel cap boots, you can now buy... Uh, wide toe box steel cap boots. Mm. There's a, a place in Perth in Malaga that sells. Is that is that wide load? Yes. Yeah, I've got a pair at home. Yeah. Have you? Good. Yeah. My only gripe is they're really good. I, I love the the room for your feet. Yep. The weight. I don't think we're designed to have yeah right. heavy weight. Yeah. Uh, and a chunky sole. I'd love. <laughs> I don't know if it's possible if someone could do a similar sort of thing, maybe with a carbon fiber toe and a less chunky sole, yeah. like, like a more minimalist sole. Yeah. Would it be. About as good as it yeah, would get for call. a protective boot, but yeah, I think there's a company there. There you go. We'll start that up. Copyright. Yeah, copyright that. We're just giving out our best ideas here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, good call. What's our What's our next? Who's uh, Who's up next? Any, anyone can fly from that one. Well, if I was president, my second thing would be I would mandate some social whoa, engagement whoa, 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 with whoa, whoa. others. Oh, hang on, you were all about choice before, Smitty. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I would I would strongly recommend and encourage, I wouldn't mandate, get out with your mates in nature and socialise. Nice. Yeah. We don't do enough of it. We don't have time. Yeah. Even if you can't get out in nature, socialise, find your tribe, yep. find the people that you resonate with. And I'm not talking about ring them on the phone. I'm not talking about get on Facebook and message them or get on a messaging app. 
or any of that. I'm talking about face-to-face time, um, ideally outdoors, because I think it's just an amazing way to do it, and hang out with your people and really just spend some time together. Yeah. It's it's so good for, uh, well, it's so good for sort of building that community of people that are around you. Yeah. It's good for your mental health. It's good from actually getting away from your device. It's it's just an amazing way to spend time. And I don't think we do it enough because we're all too busy. Yeah. Yeah. And I think social media has sort of replaced physical, social, yeah. physical sort of contact. And it's no replacement. No. It's not. Sitting on the couch at night, and I think we've laughed about this before, with your wife two feet away from you and you might text her to show her a funny link or something like that. You're not talking. You're not looking at each other. Like CJ and I caught up the other night. We had a had a fire outside, had a bonfire, sat around. The moon was out. We could see some stars, had a chat. Uh, my family was there. Just a nice way to spend a bit of time. Yeah. Yeah. What a beautiful environment to do it in too, out yeah. in the bush. Well, just anywhere Amazing. outdoors I think is good. Go to the beach, go to a park. Mm. If you live in an urban environment, there'll probably still be a little patch of green somewhere. Maybe do it with your shoes off. Yeah. Maybe go and uh, all bring a little plate of food or a snack and uh, just enjoy each other's company and see what comes of it. I think I think tribe building and community is becoming lost a little bit with us as we move into this new era of technology and stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. And, and I feel like it's a it's a really important aspect of like if we look at ancestral times and ancestral man, it was all about uh, coming together as a as a group or as a community, and we would support each other. There would probably be communal uh, sort of cooking, storytelling, maybe dance or celebration ceremony, and I've even been to a few. Uh, like full moon ceremonies and stuff like that. I'm not talking about the one you go to in Thailand, where you <laughs> <laughs> where you wake up on the beach. Yeah, with, yeah, uh, yeah. No, not those ones that tend yeah. to go for 24 hours yeah. and uh, can be quite taxing and quite energetic. But but more like uh, just getting outside, sort of keeping track of where the where the moon is. So you might have a full moon or you might have no moon, and just getting outside and having a bit of ceremony uh, behind that, or or using it as an excuse to have some sort of social event. Well, they say. They say ancestral man was big on gossip. Yeah. Because they had to be. To survive, you needed to talk. Yes. And you needed to say, okay, well, they're not a great tribe member. Mm. I mean, we use the term gossip these days. It's kind of a negative context. But they used it as a way to get information out there. This is happening here. You know, they're not pulling their weight here. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, and, and that was sort of a, the tribal aspect of everyone coming together and and pulling towards the same goal. I yeah. guess for them it would have been survival. Survival, yeah. yeah. But, yeah, these days we definitely need it. I mean, it can be about uh, – it doesn't need to be about anything, but just naturally you sort of uh, do a bit of networking. Mm. I'm not saying you're there to try and uh, promote yourself or anything like yeah. that, but you might find that you and other people in your group sort of have different but – um, complementary skill sets. You might be able to organise to, to help each other out. I'm good at this, you're good at that. We can do some sort of um, trade or cooperation. Mm. It's just, it just seems to be a nice, natural way to do things and good, good things always come from it. Yeah, definitely, yeah. mate. And, and just over the weekend, I caught up with a tribe of mine that I haven't for a long time, the old footy mates. Yeah. And um, although it's in a modern context and you, you ha- you're around at the, the horse races having a few beers, but... It's just that camaraderie and that uh, you hadn't seen each other for a while. We don't do social media or anything like that. 
But when we, when we catch up with each other, it's like we saw each other yesterday, which I think is a sign of, of good mates, a good friendship. Good mateship, yeah. mm. uh, and, and we laugh. We just laugh yep. and we take the piss out of each other, which you can't often do in too many environments these days. And, we, yeah, the, the laughter, you know, it, it just makes you feel good for the rest of the weekend, you know. And yep. Did you have a win on the punt, though? No, I didn't. <laughs> no, no, it's all part of it. Yeah, <laughs> horse is still running, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Aren't they the best? Like, uh, we, we often talk about this, guys, is those times we've got together as a tribe ourselves and, you know, the fun banter, the 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 memories that are created are often what we then talk about for the next three months. Exactly. You yeah. know, yeah. a lot of our stories historically together have come from these these um, connecting times, like you've indicated, Smitty. And uh, these 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 are the stories that we pass on as well. These are the stories that you know that we talk about with with our children and and. Oh, you know, uh, I was out here and I was with Rue and Smitty and Jonesy. We did this, and my oh, bloody Rue was doing that. And you know, like these are the these are the the stories we pass on generationally. Um, I know my dad. Yeah, he's here at the moment. We we have. You know, I, I have to bloody cut him off sometimes because things he gave me a bloody flogging for when I was a young bloke are some of his best party pieces now. You know, like, <laughs> and it's um. It's uh, it's that connecting, and I think it's something I've really missed being um, remotely from you guys. Is it isn't technology amazing that we have an ability to sit here, look at each other, and, and connect vocally? But that you you simply cannot replace being in in the same spot as someone else, looking them in their eyes, giving them a hug, and in you know whether it's enjoying a beer or something like that. To, together they're just the greatest times definitely mate and and you you brought something up there um you know just how we 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 get together and we create these cultures uh, when i have events like on the weekend where i catch up with some mates my wife will say the next day so how was your night what's so-and-so doing uh how's his work going how's his missus blah 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 and i'll have no answer for her so <laughs> i don't know and then she'll ask about someone else. So how's, what's his name going? How's his missus? How's the family? Yeah. Oh, I don't know. Well, what do you talk about? And then I sort of think, well, she probably thinks I don't, I'm not even catching up with me, mates. I'm probably you know, <laughs> doing something else. But we don't talk about shit like that. We just yeah. talk about bullshit. Mm. But it's the bullshit and the memories of all the stupid things that we've done that have created this culture amongst us that is the, is, is the part of catching up. You know, and I'll, I'll say... I'll, be having a beer with a bloke all night and I won't even talk about his work or his family or what his kids are doing. We just talk about the shit that we used to do <laughs> back in the day or, or just... Well, you're sort of reinforcing memories, aren't you? And, and you're building new memories. Yeah. 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 By talking about old times and... Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, and it's good fun. I mean, I'm, I like nostalgia. I'm a bit of a... We've got to let our hair down, don't <clears> we? Like, we can't all be serious all the time and... Yeah. Being in someone's energy field is different to talking to them on a phone. You can walk into a room you haven't seen someone for a while and you look at them and before they even say anything, you immediately get an impression of how they're doing. Yeah. You just do, just by being around that person's energy field, seeing their body language, yep. just seeing sort of how vital they look. Yep. It's a different kettle of fish. And I reckon you can look at someone's face as well and just sort of see what sort of even profession they belong to. I reckon you can sort of pick a person that, and this just sounds a bit stupid, but a person that is like maybe in the care 
industry or teaching industry or, or their face just exudes this sort of like a, I don't know, a more caring sort of look, uh, not a harsh look. I, I sort of reckon you can sort of pick personalities by a person's face as well. Or pick a politician or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. They look real weasley. Yeah. <laughs> Deceitful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They just got the air of deceit. Yeah. Yeah. But even in this environment here, you know, Mickey Mac's um, in Queensland and he's, uh, I can see his mug there, a good looking mug it is on the phone. But I, I disregard it because he's not here. You know, I've got to remind myself to look at him. Whereas you two, you're here in my person and I'm relating to you. And I've got to consciously make an effort to turn around and look at a phone, which is just not natural. Yeah, yeah absolutely. No. Mm. We're not sort of building memories from a, uh, a memorable chat session you had on a messaging app, are we? No. No. You're not going to reminisce about that in years. That's later. right. Oh, I remember that point. time I was on yeah. the couch and I was sending you that thing <laughs> in the you chat group. <laughs> it's just not the same. Yeah. It's not the same. You, you what can't. About that theme I sent you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was a real <laughs> zinger. Oh, that was a zinger. <laughs> But you can't replicate being in the same space as another person no. and physically interacting with them. Yep. Yep. What about man hugs? Is man hugs cool? Yeah. I, I do a man hug. Yeah. I've yeah. got several buddies who I yeah. hug. Yep. Yeah. 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 Oh. I caught up with a good friend of mine last, yesterday. It was his 50th the other day and we did a man hug. I like the um, oh. the half handshake. Oh. Like the bro hug. The, yeah. I call yeah. that a shrug, mate. It's a <laughs> yeah, shrug. Yeah. I like that. It's right. a sh- handshake yeah. and a hug. Yeah. Mm. Because there's some guys you wouldn't uh, offer the hug to, obviously. Yeah. No. <laughs> I can think of several of my buddies I wouldn't uh, yeah. go in for a, any kind of... No. <laughs> like, I'm a big, like, traditional handshaker. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and yep. I do get a little bit thrown by the dude who cocks that wrist and does the old... Um, oh. Yeah, but you know, it, it's almost like a, you know, like a secret handshake. Regular handshake into the cocked handshake into the hug. It's, Ooh. you know, like Ooh. the half Jeez, It's like one of those fancy three. I can't do those ones. Yeah, I get yeah. confused. I'd you start you need to rehearse that. <laughs> <laughs> what about the traditional handshake with a little finger tickle, Rudy? You like that one, mate? <laughs> Didn't it mean something back in the day? <laughs> the art of the handshake. Yeah. song about that. Yeah. <laughs> It is, um, Smitty, I think, I think you mates that you think, um, you know, oh, I couldn't hug those ones. They're the ones that I get a lot of enjoyment out of giving the man hug. Well, next time it's, you're in, in Perth, we're mates with uh, some of those guys together. I'll, 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 I'll look forward to yeah, witnessing you hug that. And see what happens. You go first and uh, <laughs> I'll back you right up. <laughs> you get away with it now being Pride Month. You could probably yeah. get away with it. Just wear your rainbow-coloured shirt. What about you, Mick? Well, last one, yeah, we're getting. Uh, getting uh, if, uh, if you were Prezo of the world, Prezo, I'm going to go out on a limb here, boys. Mm. Going to go out on a limb here. It's a very, very complex one. Very, very complex one Ooh. that uh, that we're all doing, but many people are struggling with, and it's actually teaching people how to breathe. Uh, and that yeah. that might sound might sound a little bit silly because we're all obviously doing it. Um, and it's a necessity in order for us to be alive. But I think that most people, because of the stressful environment that we that, that we live in, particularly in the Western world, are chronically shallow breathing. Definitely. Um, and it's actually denying us of our, of our full life force. And breathing is something... Uh, well, actually... It was it was it was actually Smithy's wife um, when I was doing a little bit of DNS treatment with her many years ago, um, who made me much more consciously breathe 
um, and I, I was then able to implement in some of those breathing techniques into um, my running and different pieces like that. But I think that just on a basic science level here, what we're talking about is people caught in their again, you know, people caught in that stress um, orientated sympathetic nervous system. Their shallow breathing in their chest, uh, and that um, it, it's scientifically proven. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of different studies um, through any medical journals you set your eyes on, where it's proven that um, deep breathing, even for as little as 30 seconds, um, can stimulate that parasympathetic nervous system, which is actually promoting life. Um, reducing stress, reducing anxiety. It assists in um, people uh, working their way through grief, depression, anxiety. Um, you know, the, the benefits are, are absolutely massive. Um, that, that diaphragmatic breathing um, also promotes sort of oxygenation down through to our vital organs which a lot of people aren't conscious of because they're just breathing in their chest. They think that's where they need to breathe, but they're not actually stimulating that highly oxygenated um, blood down into their organs in, in their abdomen. Um, and I, I think it's, it's again, here we are, something we're all doing absolutely free. But if we were more conscious of how we were breathing, I think it would, it would seriously impact people's health. Yeah, that's a great one, Mikey. Yeah, great call, mate. It's um, you even find yourself when you think about your breathing, how shallow it is. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we're we're breathing well, and we're breathing diaphragmatically, and even really sucking air into the lower lobes of our lungs a lot of the time. We're just we're just very shallow chest breathing, and I think you were sort of touching on it, Mikey. Like when we're not breathing with our diaphragm we're not getting down there and sort of stimulating that uh, vagus nerve through diaphragmatic breathing, which is going to switch on our parasympathetic nervous system. So it's almost, well, I mean, breathing and meditation go hand in hand, don't they? But it's almost like a meditative uh, state. And I think one of the reasons maybe that breathing is so integrated into uh, meditation is because of that uh, sort of parasympathetic or vagal stimulation. So again, and it's free. And and for anyone to try it, just just like, to relax and even before you go into to sleep in bed, take some real deep conscious breaths and it feels great. I did see something on YouTube. I have to bring it next time because I can't remember it, but you've just sparked this um, uh, this thing. It's uh, uh, breathing in relation to oh, – I can't think of it. Sorry. I'll, I'll get it next time. But I did that, you did just remind me of one other thing. Uh, you know, the, 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 the ladder of desired needs for, for, for survival – so you've got food at the top of it and food you can pretty much last for, what, 14 days without, maybe yeah, longer more. before you start yeah. suffering, um, you know, adverse health effects. Then you've got water, probably can't last without water for, what, three to five days? Maybe even two or three, depending on your climate, I guess. Or yeah. yeah yep, and then long. you've got air, which you can't last without for more, maybe more than a minute. Mm. So there's one thing yeah. there that you can't last very long without that we seem to neglect um, more than the others. Yeah. And, and a lot yeah. of people say that a lot of ill health and chronic health issues come from a lack of sort of cellular oxygenation. Like we're, we're in this semi-hypoxic state where we're just not getting enough uh, deep oxygenation of all our tissue in order to maintain good health. So 
you definitely want to be getting that deep diaphragmatic breathing going and getting all that nice air in there. I think the other the other aspect of this as well, guys, which I've been lucky enough to have sort of um, five or six really amazing experience with is exploring breath work um, to achieve sort of altered states of consciousness. Um, and it's becoming sort of a lot more popular these days where um, people are experimenting with um, natural psychedelic um, uh, I don't know that you'd call them drugs, but you know they're, they're, they're utilizing mushrooms. People are exploring, um, heading over to various parts of the globe and and utilizing plant based medicine to to reach these um, or have these experiences. And 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 the amazing thing is we can actually um, have those same um, altered states or these experiences exploring self through the breath. Um, and it's something that, that um, as I said, I've, I've been lucky enough to tap into a few times now. Um, and, and it's just an amazing, blissful um, experience that opens, I guess, opens those neural pathways in the brain up to, up to new, new experience. Um, and again, you're not having to go and buy anything. Um, it's all being done through the breath. So as well as the health benefits, um, you know, you can have these, these, these amazing experiences as well. Are you talking about sort of holotropic breathing or kundalini yoga or stuff like that, Mikey, when you're talking about these experiences? Yeah, yeah. The holotropic breathing was sort of something that I've dived into. Um, I have looked into the, the kundalini yoga and stuff like that as well. But I, I just think, um, yeah, I, I believe that certainly the ancestral man um, was playing around with these things in in terms of their tribal medicine, um, their their states of consciousness and things like that. And and I, I I seem to feel that there would have been some connection into breathing, given how connected they were with the earth and Mother Nature and all these sorts of things. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, well, that was a pretty lengthy. Well, not so, not so lengthy, but a, a bit of a deep dive into the eight topics that pretty central to building the modern ancestral man. Yeah, I think some really good mm-hmm. snippets there that we yeah. will no doubt delve into at a later date in some more detail with a bit more of an instructional or uh, sort yeah. of prescriptive approach, but uh, some really good Research scratching the surface there. Definitely. Or tips that people can do. I think almost all of them are free Yeah. or very yes. expensive. Definitely a few takeaways there for people to get started on more of an ancestral type lifestyle. Try them out, people. Yeah. Good luck with that. Till next time. Enjoy your time with your folks. Mickey Mac. Thanks, guys. See you next week. Good on you, guys. Good on you, boys. Good stuff. See you then.